and keep having them lift even more stuff. Um, so don't, so don't, uh, don't go away too fast. I, um, as you guys are turning back to Matthew 1, I've been reading a couple different books, and uh, one of them is the uh, Steve Jobs biography, and it's been pretty fascinating. I, I get a chance to learn about not just uh, Apple or Microsoft, and my, Apple and Microsoft, but um, also just about all the tech and all the different ways and the business aspects of it. And, but one of the things that's uh, interesting is kind of getting into the, the personal uh, attributes of this Steve Jobs character. And one of the things that was interesting is his, his view on God. And throughout the book, there's just these different kind of moments and you know, he at one point says, well, you know, I, I you know, he has this big business deal. He's like, well, you know, I, I, made, a, I made a deal with God or, or, or whatever. You know, I was like, hmm, that's a pretty interesting, you know, perspective where you think of God as I'm going to go to God or I mean, whatever. And, and unfortunately, many people are like that. When you really, really, you know, they call that, you know, foxhole faith, right? Where you're in the foxhole, in the middle of war. Well, yeah, everybody believes in Jesus then. Well, that's, that's not good enough. Uh, he, he, you know, he says he's 50-50 he's on God. You know, God's not a coin toss. Um, you have to be 100% all in. This is all in. The, the, there's there's no hedging. Um, at the end of his life, as he's been diagnosed with cancer and it came back three times and ended up killing him, you know he has these ponders. You know and he says, "Well, I I I I think there's more to our existence than like what meets the eye." You, and and you know why he comes to this because God has written Himself on every man's heart, just like Romans one says. That, that when we walk outside, we see his creation everywhere. We know somebody bigger, stronger, more powerful has made that mountain, has made that sun, has made those stars. We know that we came from somewhere. We know we're going somewhere. We know it because in God's generous grace, he gives us that awareness. Now, we fight and like jobs, we rebel against that. We go, well, maybe there's something else. And we hedge our bets. Um, and then, you know, at the end, you, you kind of are, are commanded to, to think about it. And, and my fear is that so many of us are, are, are coming to the Word or coming to church or coming to our faith and be like, well, for the most part, I believe. I, I usually believe. I think I believe. And, and I just want to encourage you to be all in. To, to be all in. And one of the beauties of, of this study that we're doing and, and looking at Matthew and, and where it's starting, it, it's starting from this, this, this point of silence. We, we have to understand the time and the place that this book is being written. The, the, there's an intermediate period between the Old and the New Testament. There's no prophets. There's no high priest. There, 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 there's no word. It's, it's just like, well, what happened? Where, where did God go? 
right? Much like the Israelites when they're in Egypt and they're enslaved for 400 years and they're sitting there going, but, but I thought, I thought we were given a, a, a covenant promise with Abraham. I thought we were going to be this amazing nation. We're slaves. Where are you, God? Where are you? And here we are today and we see everything that's going on around us. And we have the hope and we have the understanding. We have, we've read Revelation. We're like, all right, so all this stuff's supposed to happen, but it's been 2,000 years, Jesus. Where are you? What's going on? And so God doesn't leave us here all alone. I mean, can you imagine? Again, I, I just think about being a parent. And, and as a parent, you think, you know, I'm, 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 I'm going to die at some point. And Lord willing, I die well before my children. And so here's a, a, a manifesto, you guys. Here's some things that I thought you, you might need while I'm gone. Or if I could record, I'd record it. And that's like exactly what we have in, in the scriptures and in the book of Matthew. It is so beautiful. It's so amazing. And in that darkness, it's like, okay, here we go. It's happening. So there's this like, this, this, overview that we're seeing now in, in Matthew 1 and in, the, in every book, every book you read, you, you don't, don't skip the summary, don't skip the overview. In most books, you could pretty much read the overview and that's the book. So don't skip that. Don't skip chapter one to get to the good stuff, right? The, the good stuff is embedded right here. And so we see here in the introduction of Matthew, we see how it's propelling us, the reader, the audience, well, well, for what? It's, it's this great proclamation, as we mentioned last week. Uh, what's a proclamation? It's like a, a, a decree. It's a, it's a big announcement. So, you know, I think of, again, like a, a corporate, an annual corporate meeting. It's like, all right, let's, let, let's repeat our, our mission, vision, purpose. This is who we are, people, Right? Let's be reminded, and again, because there's silence and we, they haven't had the word, they don't, you know, the people in this day and age don't have the scriptures. Isn't that crazy? I mean, do you know how fortunate you are, how blessed you are, and, and how accountable you are that, that you have all this information? But, but what a blessing that we have. And, and, and here we are, uh, you know, in the, in the first 17 verses, we, we see that, that through the genealogy of Jesus, we see a revealing, we see a, a proclamation of, of him. This is the son of Abraham, people. Remember Abraham? Remember the Abrahamic covenant? This is it. This is happening. This is the son of David. You know, the king, the Davidic kingdom, the, the promise of eternal kingdom. This is him. And then, you know, last week we also noticed that he came and was you know the 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 son of Joseph, a a, a man, a, a carpenter, a normal guy. Well, this week the the proclamation or the introduction continues as we're we're moving forward, and it's kind of like the second set of proclamations. And now we see you know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is making these three proclamations. One is the Holy Spirit proclaims again a repeat. Yes, this is. This child is the son of David. That's a big deal, you guys. I mean, we've almost grown up hearing that from the beginning. But for these guys who are waiting for the Messiah, who are waiting for the son of David, it's like, this is him. 
And here's confirmation from the Holy Spirit. The second proclamation is he's going to proclaim him, this child, as Jesus. And we went over this last week. Again, Jesus' name means something. And then finally, the Holy Spirit proclaims that this child is Emmanuel. And that has meaning too. So the first proclamation we see is uh, verse 18. The Holy Spirit proclaims the child as the son of David. Verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Here's an overview. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, familiarity breeds contempt. So, you know, every Christmas we kind of race through this and it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I've heard this before. It's like, let's stop and slow down and smell the roses for a second. Okay. So what's happening here? Well, what we see here is this, this promised birth, this promised birth and was prophesied 700 years earlier in Isaiah that this was going to happen. So People have literally been waiting. It's, a, it's the future hope of Israel, right? The Messiah. But this is no ordinary birth. This is no ordinary birth. This is a supernatural, miraculous birth. Part of the problem that we run into is when we come to the scripture, like, okay, let, let, let's like unravel and, and explain how the, it, it's a miracle. That's how it happened. This is absolutely supernatural. So again, when we're talking to our neighbors and our friends and our family about Christianity, it's like you have to understand that you really believe in the supernatural. You're speaking miraculous supernatural things. That may sound weird to them. Don't be shocked. Be bold about that. Proclaim that. that I mean, that is what our faith is. That heaven came down to earth in a miraculous way. Well, that's what makes Jesus special. If you take that away and, and try to like make him into just, well, this was just some, some man that you know, is better than most men. No, this, this is Jesus, part of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is putting the stamp of approval and proclaiming this. Well, what's this deal with Mary and Joseph? Well, they're betrothed. They're betrothed. What does that mean? Right, right now, I'm, I'm in the middle of like three different weddings, and they're they're all a little bit different. And there's one couple, and they they you know they're not Christians, and the other couples are. And it's like, but none of them are betrothed. They're all engaged. It's like, well, what's the difference? Well, this idea of betrothed in, in in Jewish times is really serious. They had this thing called the Mahar. And the Mahar was like, look, you, you pay a price. You, you're, you're paying a, a price to pay for that daughter, right? The dowry. And, and so 
you know, you can imagine, and especially in this day and age, it's like, well, um, you know, wealth and money and stuff doesn't come easy. So when you're actually paying for something, you're making a contract, right? It's now yours. You know, you've already paid. You've, they, they, you know, have you guys, you know, it's the new era, ordered something on Amazon, right? It's mine. Um, you know, the other day I was, you know, walking out of one of the stores and, and, you know, right before you get to the exit, they're like, you know, can I, can I check your stuff, you know, and your receipt, you know, you see this all the time at like Costco. And it's like in the back of my head, it's like, you know, this is interesting because over there I paid for it. This is mine now. <laughs> and you get a little offended, right? It's like, stop looking at my stuff. You're acting like it's your stuff. This is my stuff. I paid for it. Well, look, th this is a legal fully binding contract that they're married. They, they, they just don't live together and they, and they haven't had relations yet. In fact, for them to break the betrothal would require a, a, a writ of divorce. That's how serious this is. So uh, it wasn't uncommon that, that there would be a betrothal period. That's the first stage. And then the second stage would actually be just a, a, a ceremony, right? And she might be there for you know, a matter of hours in the betrothal or a matter of years. It, it just depends. But in everybody's eyes, she's taken, she's married, and she's to remain perfectly pure and chaste for the whole time until they're actually together. Well, we see this throughout the Old Testament. We see it where God calls his people betrothed. His people are betrothed. And so again, it's a, it's a future promise of what's going to happen. We see this in Deuteronomy 28.30 and Judges 14.2 and Hosea 2.19 and 20. This is again, intimate and personal, not to be broken. It's a covenant. Well, we see this betrothal and we hear who's Mary. Mary again is, is she's not supernatural. She's 100% human. Um, in fact, we see her in Luke 1, Luke 1, 46 through 55, where we see Mary praying. Mary, you know, she exalts the Lord. Why she exalt the Lord? Why she praise the Lord? Because she's not God. She's not deity of any type or form. Uh, she looks to God as and calls him Savior. Savior is very specific. Savior is one who saves you from your sin. She's not perfect. Again, this is the attempt of saying, well, if Jesus is the perfect, the, the perfect God, man, and he's in Mary, then Mary would have to be perfect. No, Mary's just Mary. Mary's just Mary. Jesus is supernatural. This is a miraculous thing. So you can't try to like explain that biologically, right? And how, how, that, how that occurs. She calls herself a bond slave. She's not sinless. She's not immaculate. Okay. She, she was chosen by God and that's special enough. Um, and, and, and that's awesome. But it doesn't make her one to be prayed to, worshipped, or, or adored in that matter. And when we do that, it diminishes Christ. Uh, which is very dangerous. Well, again, keep in mind that th this is an impossible event to happen for, for, for Mary to now have the, the God child. When she's discovered with child, when she finds out that she's pregnant, the, 
the response is, don't be afraid. Now, that's an interesting response. Don't be afraid. Why would you be afraid? This is cool, Mary. You've got Jesus. Okay. Time warp. Go back in time. You're Mary. You're a virgin. And you're pregnant. That would be scary. It would be scary if you knew how that happened. It would be absolutely frightening to think, how did this happen? If anybody on the earth would completely understand the miracle that's taking place, it's Mary. And that's not neato. That's frightening. Absolutely frightening. How in the world? What, what is going on? Can't even conceive. But, but Mary knows one thing. She didn't do anything to be the mother. She knows that. Um, and she's still at this point, she has remained a virgin. So, so we know that we know that here in this, in this passage, we know it also in Luke one twenty six. So we now come across this Joseph guy. And so here's Joseph and, and well, what's he to think about this? Well, what would you think? I know what I didn't do. It's not me. It's not mine. But he's a righteous man. He's a, he's a good guy. But he's betrothed. He's in, in, in a contract, in a formal contract. So what, what is he going to do? He can make a big deal to make sure everybody knows I'm clean, I'm innocent, I'm pure. It's not me. Everybody's going to know in a little bit that, that she's pregnant, right? I had nothing to do with this. So we want to make sure that everybody in the town knows, not me. No, he, he's going to try to do it secretly, secretly as to not disgrace her, which is, you know, it's, that's nice. It's a nice idea. It's a totally human thing to do. We'll, we'll kind of do this in secret so nobody knows. But, but the thing is, is that he knows she knows I didn't do anything to get this baby. He knows I didn't do anything to get this baby. But they're both sitting there going, how do we have this baby? So this is where the Holy Spirit then has to intercede and, and speak to both of them, right? What an awesome thing. What an awesome thing to, to take place in verse 20. But when he had considered to put her away secretly, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And, and notice this, Joseph, son of David. Do you know how many times in his life Joseph was called son of David? This is conjecture, but probably never. He's a carpenter. And they've let the time elapse. And nobody in town's running around going, you know, Joseph, you know, you should be king. Because if that were true, then... The first time somebody would say that out loud, it's like, you know what? That's a great idea. I am king. So this angel, Joseph, son of David. Hey, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? Do you, I know who you are. I know who you are. He's speaking into, into Joseph. And, and Joseph knows, I didn't do anything for this baby. Something's happening here. He's like, you're the son of David. You're the rightful heir of the throne. 
son of David, the king of the Jews. Luke one thirty two says the throne, the father David, a kingdom with no end. It's a different kind of a kingdom. This is not an earthy kingdom. It's a kingdom with, with no end. So by the Holy Spirit, Joseph's son um, is proclaimed, is, is held up here. The, your son, Joseph, son of David, is also the son of David, right? By lineage, you are going to have the coming king. You're going to have the coming king. And so in this picture that we see here, what we're seeing in, in, in documented is the word, the word that we see in John 1 is about to become flesh. The word is to become flesh. And these two eyewitnesses are sitting there going, well, we know this is of God. And the Holy Spirit is confirming this. And for us to, to kind of have that confidence to say, well, if we were going to trust this book, if we were going to trust this, this as, a, as a testimonial document, well, we should trust the two people that were involved the closest, right? The first person, and that is Mary and Joseph. And Joseph, even though he's a righteous man, a decent guy, and a good guy, is not going to take this on in and of himself unless the Holy Spirit had given him the confirmation of knowing, yeah, this is a God thing. This is a God thing. Well, the second proclamation we see here from the Holy Spirit is the child is, is, is Jesus, verse 21. And she, so the Holy Spirit says, uh, you're, you're going to conceive and the, and the baby in you is of the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual thing. This is a godly thing. And she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. And so we looked at this last week. And we looked at, well, just in his very name, you know, Yahshua, which is, you know, Yahweh saves. His name is Yahweh saves. God saves. Do you imagine that as a name walking around? How's it going? God saves. Have a nice day. Right? Um, well, God saves me from what? God saves me how? Militarily? I mean, you know, the, the king and, you know, we have the Old Testament and the kings in the Old Testament fought. And they fought wars and, and God took them to victory over countries way bigger than them. Is that the kind of way Yahweh's going to save militarily, politically, through money and power? I mean, that's the way things get done, right? It's the only way things get done. Except when God's involved, when God's involved, then, then the weak win because the weak are strong because the weak have the power of the Holy Spirit in them. Or they're driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is going to come and his name is, is, is Yahweh saves. But notice the clarification. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. From their sins. From their sins. They are living under Roman occupation. One of the biggest problems that we'll see with the Israelites having with who Jesus is, 
is I don't want you to save me from my sins. I want you to save me from the Roman government, from the politics. And how far away are we sitting here in our seats today in 2023? You know what? I don't need you, Jesus. I'm 50-50 on you anyway. I only need you if somebody tells me I've got cancer or if something happens to me financially. But, but, you know, really, really my hope is anchored in the government and my political party. And say, no, 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 no. Jesus didn't come to, I mean, if anybody needs saving from a, a government, I mean, you think we're have it bad. You, you should live under a Roman occupation. Um, no, I'm not coming to, he's not coming to save you from that. He's coming to save people from their sins. This is a spiritual, not a physical saving. What a proclamation. What a great proclamation. That's exactly what, what John the Baptist was doing. When John the Baptist comes on the scene, and, and, he, and he, he, Matthew 3, and he, what, what does he say? Verse 2. Repent. He doesn't say, hey, sharpen your swords. You know, go, go, you know, go get some ammo. No, he says repent. Why? Why repent? Why stop doing my sins? Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Jesus is here. Wake up. The time has come. We see in verse 6, and they, they were then being baptized by him in the Jordan River. Why? To join the army? No. As they were confessing their sins. This was a spiritual event that was, that was taking place. And then John in verse 11 lets everybody know, look, look, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he was coming after me is mightier than I am. And I'm not even fit to remove your sandals. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. It's like this spiritual wave, this spiritual movement of, of salvation for the forgiveness of your sins. This is coming. Jesus is here. And, and the Holy Spirit is making this, this amazing proclamation. And all around, these amazing things are, are taking place. We see a beautiful example of this in Luke 2. Luke 2, we see these you know, two characters, uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. You know, ho, ho, hum, here they go. Zacharias is, you know, very well respected, you know, man of the cloth. And his wife is going to have a miracle baby. And he's not sure he's, he believes. And so the Lord silences him. So the Lord silences him because he isn't all in. He's, you know, 80-20. He's better than Steve Jobs, but, you know, not all there. So the Lord... And then this is what happens in Luke 2, 67. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, John the Baptist's dad, and prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption, redemption for his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant. And he spoke by mouth 
of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy upon our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath to which he swore to Abraham our father, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him in all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins. Now you can see even embedded this, there's, okay, so we, we're, we're safe from our sins, but we're also supposed to be like conquering enemies. And, and, and the problem that they have here is they would rather than just conquer the enemies. And if he doesn't conquer the enemies, then you can keep it. If you don't make me affluent and, and prosperous and give me everything I want and make my life easy and simple and smooth, then Jesus, I don't really need you. I only need you if you're, if you're Santa Jesus. If you're Santa Jesus, then I'll, I'll, I'll take it. But if there's any trials and, you know, like hard stuff, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I need that. And that's not the program. We take the good and the bad. We, 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 we take both. And so the great proclamation that we see is this child being born has a purpose. And the purpose is to save people from their sins as the king. This isn't a king that's saying, I require tribute. I require like, like just selfish worship. This is a, a selfless king. This is a king that's coming to give to the people who's coming to sacrifice his life to the people. Well, whoever, who's ever heard of such a thing? Well, what kind of a king is that? Well, this is the God King. The third proclamation we see is the proclamation of the Holy Spirit is this child, the God King, Emmanuel, is who's come. This is like nothing we've ever seen before. Verse 22, now all this took place that was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled saying, behold, the prophet being Isaiah, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translate means God with us. And Joseph arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took her as his wife immediate obedience. Wow, this is a beautiful example for parenting, right? You know, first time and quickly. First time and quickly. That's the biblical pattern. That's, that's what we see Joseph here. You know what? The angel comes to him. He wakes up. No more betrothal period. It's over. We're getting married. Immediate obedience. He didn't go, well, let me talk it over with my family, my friends, kind of cross-check this, like, uh, this is what they're saying. They're saying that Mary's by the Holy Spirit. And I believe them because the Holy Spirit came to me too. And it was powerful, let me tell you. And he told me things. No, he obeys. And verse 25, and kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. He obeyed in calling his name Jesus. So we see this Miracle birth, and again, is his name as prophesied in Isaiah 700 years earlier, Emmanuel. This isn't like secret hidden Bible code. We don't need secret hidden Bible codes. God gave us a lot of pages 
that are really, really clear. And in, in, in the Hebrew name, again, Jesus isn't just, you know, Yahweh saves. He's also Emmanuel, which means literally God with us. So, so Yahweh, God with us, saves. That's who he is. This miracle birth why is it a miracle birth? Because it's God with us. It's God in human flesh. It's the word, 1 John, the word becoming flesh and dwelling amongst us. This is the greatest event that's ever happened in history. Luke 1.35, he will be called Holy Son of God. So remember, remember Thomas? My Lord, my God. This isn't like any other religion, any other faith. That's why just saying like, oh, well, yeah, Jesus is a good prophet. Yeah, Jesus is part of the, you know, our folklore. No, Jesus is the son of God. That, that is what makes Christianity totally different. That, that God, the triune Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is one. It's monotheistic. They're not three different gods. They're one God. They're, they're in three persons. That's a miracle. That's miraculous. We have to believe in the miraculous, people. Okay? Get your arms wrapped around it. It's your greatest hope because when you die, you believe that you go to heaven. Okay? That's a big one. That's a good one. You, you should believe in miracles. Um, Jesus confirms this, John 10.30, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. Jesus, I am, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one gets to the Father but through the Son. That's why we have to be firm, you guys. Look, we, we, we want everybody, let me be crystal clear. It would be our greatest desire that everybody would enter into heaven. Every single person on the planet of the earth. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've done. We, it would be our hope, just like God was gracious to us, that he would be gracious to them too. E even in South Africa, right? We want God gracious to every country, every color, every race, homosexual, adulterer, everything you can possibly conceive of. The problem is people reject God and they don't believe and they don't follow and you have to be all in. And so all these other different religions that want to take pieces and scraps of the Bible, pieces and scraps of Jesus to coexist, that doesn't fly. Why? Because God is a exclusive God. Deuteronomy 6, the great Shema. You're to worship the Lord our God. The Lord our God is one. Besides him, there is no other. No other, no sharing, no unity, no polytheism. Well, that's hard because that makes us say, well, wait a minute. What you believe in Jesus isn't the biblical Jesus, so that's not Jesus. We don't want to have that conversation, right? We, we, we don't want to like think, well, wait a minute, that person is like really, really far off. Well, the Bible's clear. Bible also reminds us that not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of God. And that's not just people who are 50-50. That's 
especially thank you people who are people who only take certain pieces of Jesus. We don't get to pick. It's not a buffet line. The situation here, again, in, in Matthew is they're all waiting. They, they've read Isaiah 1. The situation is, shocker, Israel's in a rebellious state, which again is a picture of who? Us. So we don't judge Israel. We don't judge other people. We, we are in that judges, right? The cycle of sin. We, we sin, we're judged, we repent, right? We sin, we're spanked, we repent, okay? God's drawing us back. And so Isaiah mentions this part where, look, there's going to be a situation. Israel's going to be in a rebellious state. They're a sinful nation. Their sacrifices will not be answered. God doesn't need empty sacrifices. He doesn't need empty prayers. He doesn't need our cash, okay? He doesn't need that. What he wants is our love and our devotion. He, what he wants is like Joseph to get up and do to, you know what? I know you still don't have any idea what's going on, but by faith, you trust and obey. Are, are you ever there? I don't know what's going on. I can't predict the future. I don't know why this is happening, but you know what? I, I, I trust God. And so I'm going to, I'm going to obey. I'm just going to follow his word. I don't know why it seems so complicated and so countercultural, right? To, to keep my purity before I get marriage, to, to have my own kids, to raise my own kids, right? Well, why is that so hard? But it seems hard, but I'm going to trust God and I'm going to trust in the way he lays out how we're supposed to do it. And I'm going to follow that script. Um, and by the way, um, the people who do and the people who you see who do that are the people with joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction. It's amazing how that works. But this proclamation by the Holy Spirit of this child as Emmanuel, the, the, the Israelites should not have been shocked. They, they, they had a, a warning. They had a hope. You know, this is what's going to happen. So in Isaiah... You know, it's like, okay, God speaks to Isaiah and he says, so let's, let's give you some, a, a look into the future. So in Isaiah 7, we say, look, verse 13, the Lord says, listen now, O house of David, there's a tip. Is it too slight a thing for you to try the patience of men that you will try the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I were, you know, in the clergy, it's like I would have like every single name of, of the line of David, which we know they have. And I'd just be like watching. It's like, okay, I know the Posens are supposed to be in the line of David. So let's check out these kids. Can't be Zach. I know that's not going to work. So it's got to be the other guys. Right? But I mean, I'd, you'd be like watching like a hawk. And it's like, well, it's none of them. It's got, well, it's got to be their kids. It's got to be one of the kids. And you'd just be what? And then you would tell your son, okay, um, just keep, keep your eyes on those guys. You would never take your eyes off. Why? Because Isaiah told you. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin. Okay, keep your eyes and ears open for like, if somebody runs around and claims that they're a virgin, because that doesn't happen every day, right? And bears a son and calls him Emmanuel. Okay, 
well, who's this guy going to be? And then there's more in Isaiah 9. For this child will be born to us. The child will be given to us. Who's this child? Who's this God child? Who's this Emmanuel? And the governments will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Have you ever had such sweet counsel as God's word? Have you ever had greater counsel than, than from Jesus? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Almighty God, nobody more powerful, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to increase of his government or peace or the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteous from then and forevermore. This is the great hope that Israel was supposed to be keeping their eyes and ears for, waiting for. And then this is what we're seeing in Matthew 1. This is the introduction. Here it is, people. What you've all been waiting for. The king is here. The God king is here. The son of David is here. Yahweh saves is here. And there's more because that's like just the introduction. Just like any book, and, and, and we have to think of ourselves as coming to this for the first time. It's like, yeah, all right. That's what an introduction is supposed to do. It's supposed to get excited about, well, well yeah, like you're going to prove this out, right? You're going to tell me more, right? You're going to explain it in more detail, right? Yeah, that's right. That's what's coming in the rest. Well, a couple of things to think about and to apply. Again, you, you can't be 50-50. You can't be 80-20. You can't be 95-5. Okay, you got to be all in. I, I shudder when I think of the rebuke that the, the Pharisees get from Jesus as a, as a man of the cloth, that these guys on any given day, if you put one of them right here and me right there, they would outshine me every single day. And they were broods of vipers. That, that makes me, I've got to be cautious. I've got to check myself. I've got to examine myself because I want to be careful that I'm not that guy, right? That's, that's my application. Can't be 50-50. There's only one way to the Father, and it's through this book. Through this book. And look, we live by faith. We live by faith. Uh, you can, you know, people show me, show me, show me proof. This is proof enough. This book, the Bible, was written by eyewitness testimony. Remember we talked about this, that this is eyewitness testimony in the book of Matthew. Uh, Joseph and Mary are eyewitness testimony. That, that, that's a, a, as much proof as you get. We, we live by faith. And it's not going to be easy. There's going to be trials, but it requires our 100% obedience. Quickly, first time, and quickly. Look, we believe in the supernatural. We believe in the supernatural. If you don't believe in the supernatural, you don't believe in Jesus. If you don't really believe in the supernatural, then you can't believe in Jesus. So, so you believe in the supernatural. We believe in supernatural events. Mary, virgin birth. Elizabeth, barren. Zacharias, just, just in the, the origin of Jesus, we, we see the miraculous. We're to draw from our reading of the Bible that if God is faithful throughout the whole time of 5,000 years to Abraham, 
I think he can handle the 80 years I'm alive. Right? Uh, if he can be faithful to David and David's sons and making sure that the line is, is stayed intact, okay, he, he can take care of me and my family too. If he can keep the promise that he makes to Isaiah, do you know what? He, he, he's going to keep the promise that he makes to us that if we follow him, that when we die, we will spend eternity in heaven. We, we can put our confidence in that. Let me close with reading 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. This is, think of it this way. This is God speaking to you. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. But by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ, and you know what that mean, name means now, has come in the flesh, is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than who is in the world. Greater is he who is in you than who is in the world. We don't have to be afraid. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. That's how we know what news to listen to. That's how we know what school to choose. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for the love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and, and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this the love of God was manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. God loved us and sent us his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he abides in us because he has given us the Holy Spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Everything hangs and hinges on Jesus Christ coming into the world and Jesus Christ being the Son of God and Jesus Christ dying for our sin. Everything hinges on this. Nothing else matters. We can't take another step forward if you're not anchored in this. Verse 15, so whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, 100% in, God abides in him and he is in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us that we have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is so 
also are we in the world. There is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. The one who fears is not perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. We never climbed the mountain to find God. He reached out and pulled us in. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Or the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Let's pray. Lord, our life hinges on you. Our belief hinges on believing in you. Lord, and so by believing in you, by accepting your love, it commands that we reciprocate that love to you through obedience and and, and to others as co-sinners, as co-partners in this world. But the thing that makes us either brother or sister isn't our bloodline, It's our commitment to you, our faith in you, our hope in you, being 100% in you. It's by that that we've been adopted into your family as heirs. And it's in that 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 we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And even though we were once sinners, we are now considered clean. We're now considered holy, righteous, and just because of you. And so, Lord, we... We anchor our faith. We don't know everything. We don't understand everything. Your ways are so much mightier and wiser and complex than ours, but we trust them. We trust them. And so, Lord, help us to be all in. Help us to be faithful. Help us to be trusting. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.